coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. And then my secret sauce, so to speak, Matt, is that I'm very responsive. Like if you were to call me tonight at 10.30 p.m., mm -hmm. if I heard the phone ring, I don't care if it was in bed or what, I would, I would pick it up. Mm -hmm. And if someone does call me and I'm on the phone, I immediately, as soon as I'm humanly able to call them right back, might work seven days a week mm -hmm. where, so I'm very accessible. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Up next on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have JJ Harrison of Affordable Realty Services. So if you're in the real estate industry in or around the Cincinnati area or have looked at uh, commercial real estate in the Cincinnati area, you probably have heard of J.J. Uh, Harrison. His He has an off-market newsletter that I've been on for, I don't know, probably a year or so. We've looked at, at commercial properties and apartment buildings in the Cincinnati market and at some point came across JJ's list and uh, jumped on it. So he basically, we get into how he cultivated this list and how he got into commercial real estate in the first place. But we really try to dive into, again, how he built such a responsive list that he more or less just updates with these different opportunities that he comes across and if, obviously if you're interested in a specific opportunity then you reach out to him so it was a great episode where again we learned about starting from scratch and building a responsive successful list of individuals and in his case he's selling multifamily commercial uh, apartment buildings so we're talking you know many millions of dollars in some cases for some of his projects and he's able to do sell those through his mailing list is his email list which is fantastic so uh, with that i hope you enjoy jj harrison on pass the secret sauce we were always on the fly not a whole lot of sit down family meals you know so it wasn't the hallmark you know everyone gets along sings kumbaya and <laughs> You know, it's kind of like everyone out and did their own thing. Yeah. Did, did you have siblings? Siblings? Yeah, I've got two brothers. I've got one older and one younger. Uh, we cool. get along great. They're great brothers. They were and have been. Mm -hmm. They live in uh, different areas. We all live in different areas. My one brother lives in St. Louis, the other in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And, and where did you grow up at? Toledo, Ohio. Oh, so you're, you've been uh, an Ohio guy. I'm, I'm an Ohio guy myself, yeah. so... So that's fantastic. But, but yeah, no, so, so obviously you're uh, in real estate today. What got you interested in real estate? Can you talk a little bit about maybe your upbringing and, and how you got involved in commercial <clears throat> real estate? I worked at a very large manufactured housing retailer for eight years, a long, long time ago. 
-hmm. And the owner looked at me and he goes, JJ, go out and get a broker's license in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. And I just did. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I'm going to start a real estate company. And so I did what he said. I was her, there eight years and I was her top salesperson seven of those eight years. And he changed his mind. He goes, I, I'm not going to open up a real estate company. So and here I am. I had these brokers licenses. And then Wall Street stopped buying the paper for manufactured homes. Uh, so I saw the writing on the wall that, you know, it's not going to be what it's been. So I started my own real estate company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. And and did yeah. you did you initially start off in commercial real estate or were you? Were you no, no homes I did or? residential and I'm, and I'm completely self-taught, meaning that I've never worked at, you know, like Huff or Keller Williams or anything like that. The broker that I got my license through was a builder and he literally knew nothing. Okay. So I just became self-taught. And then when the last crash happened, you know, all these investors are buying single family homes, single we were closing seven a week sometimes. Yeah. That was 2008 funds and 2007, 2008 time yeah. period. Yeah. Yeah. And then as time went on, when it's starting to, you know, a lot of them then went into commercial. A lot of those investors went into commercial and I'd already been working with them. They're like, well, let's go buy 144 unit in Columbus, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I kind of went into it that way of I was already working with investors and then they changed their buying habits from single families to apartment complexes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's how I came primarily a, a residential broker. Although earlier today I closed a $600,000 single family, but I do do prior, I'm going to close a 68 unit on Monday, but I primarily do commercial. Interesting. So you, it sounds like you might've taken a little bit different course or different path to get your broker's license. Is that, is that because of your background in the manufactured housing industry that you're able to do that? Or is that something that everybody you know, can go and get their broker's license through a builder or? Well, you, you have to go through an established broker. So this manufactured housing center that I worked with, the guy owned a, a high-end builder. And the guy uh -huh. happened to be, his name was Joe Dorger. And he happened to have a broker's license. So Dan goes, we'll get your broker's license underneath Joe. And then I asked Joe one time, I go, well, how do you list a house? He goes, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh my God. So I just figured it out and self-taught myself and, you know, made it more challenging, but I learned a lot fast. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I actually, yeah. I don't think I ever realized that you could, that you could, get your broker's license underneath someone else. I thought that it was, you know, essentially you had to go to, you know, Howard Hanna or something like that, some large brokerage. No, no you can take the courses way. mostly today. Now, when I was, I'm old school, so I did mine all in person, but today mm -hmm. you can take the majority of your classes online and then pick which broker you want to work in. And there's a lot of independent brokers mm -hmm. where you know, they have just a few agents or you can do a very large, in this area, Sipsy Klein is very large. You can work for a very large company mm -hmm. in, in a short choice. But after you pass, you do have to pick mm -hmm. one. Yep. Yeah. You know, so. So, so it also sounds like you kind of niched yourself pretty early, you know, again, uh, attaching yourself to real estate investors. And again, they were, they were single family and you've basically grown with them. Can you talk a little bit about how you, how you started establishing those types of relationships with 
with investors as a new broker? I started doing business with, I listed for HUD. I listed HUD home, so I had an edge. And today I list, still list for the VA. Mm-hmm. So I had an edge in that investors would call me, well, you got this listing, so tour. And then my secret sauce, so to speak, Matt, mm-hmm. is that I'm very responsive. Like if you were to call me tonight at 10.30 p.m., mm-hmm. if I heard the phone ring, I don't care if it was in bed or what, I would, I would pick it up. Mm-hmm. And if someone does call me and I'm on the phone, I immediately, as soon as I'm humanly able to call them right back, might work seven days a week mm-hmm. where, so I'm very accessible. And you try to call a commercial real estate broker, sometimes you can't reach yeah. them. That's Even true. during the week, you just can't, I don't know where they're at. I don't know what they're doing, but they're not accessible. So my secret sauce is, you know, old fashioned customer service. I do a lot of things by just a verbal, a lot of my off markets, you know, I've gone, you know, what do you want for your property? You know, what, you know, what do you want to sell it for? And a lot of them are handshake deals, mm-hmm. but it works out. Mm-hmm. And, and can you talk a little bit about how you, how your, I guess your back end works a little bit where, you, you know, again, you're, you're in Cincinnati and I've, I've seen your name quite a bit. So you obviously have a, a, a great network of owners, which I actually, I heard I've this. Got, uh, yeah. 1,917 investors are that I that's have. That's fantastic. You know, yeah. the exact number. So yeah. I, I, I heard this, I heard this great uh, analogy one time. An, an owner is an investor, is a seller, it, you know, just depends where they are in the life cycle of, you know, of their hold. So, so it's a great, you know, it's a great resource that you've developed there. How did you start developing and, and reaching out to that many people? And how do you, how do you stay in touch with that many people as well? Obviously, again, I'm on your, I'm on your uh, email list. Yeah. So what I do is every time somebody inquires about, you know, multifamily 10 units or more, This is going to sound really old school and real simplistic, but it's worked for me. I will copy and paste that email address. I'll get their email address, Mm -hmm. ask permission to email them. And I um, copy and paste and I put it on a worksheet. Mm -hmm. That's why I know exactly how many people are on it. And then if someone over the years says I no longer wish to buy, I take them off. Mm -hmm. But it's that simple. It's just a simple worksheet of copy and paste as I communicate with somebody and they express some interest in buying 10 units or more. Mm-hmm. I just, I just put them on my list and, and, and rare occasions, someone will say, you know, I'm, I'm not buying anymore. I just, fine. I just mm-hmm. delete them, take them off and then get somebody else. So that, that's all I do, but I've been doing that for probably 10 years. Yeah. So I've, I've amassed this, this thing of on this list where I'm able to, when I network and I get unlisted properties, I put it on there and then I just blast it to everyone and someone's usually interested if it makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's great. That's great. And how about, you know, on the, on the, I guess the seller side of things as well, how do you, how do you maintain that, that same relationship? Is it basically, you know, people that are on your list that reach out and say, Hey, JJ, I'm, you know, thinking about selling this building, you know, can you see about getting, you know, selling it? For I reach out to a lot of people that I know that own properties Mm -hmm. and I just stay in touch with people and offer to them, you know, would you want to sell your property? And if they go, yeah, they go, but I don't want 50,000 real estate agents going through it. Mm -hmm. I don't want my tenants to know. Mm -hmm. 
and I want to keep this pretty well low key. And a lot of people are like that. But if someone does say, hey, I want it on Looplet, I want it on the MLS, I belong to the Cincinnati, Dayton, Columbus, and Northern Kentucky MLS. So if someone does want that high visibility stuff, we can do that. Mm-hmm. But what I find is I probably got someone in my list that's that probably wants that property. So that's what I do is I just kind of put the buyer and the seller t- together through me. And it's a lot simpler. Mm-hmm. Uh, the commissions are lower for for the owner. So I just, I, net, I basically network. Mm-hmm. I do mailers and I, and I have telemarketing too, but most of it is from people that I know. Yeah. Yeah. What, what types of, if, if you know off the top of your head, what types of response rates do you get from something like a mailing campaign? They've went down. I yeah. used to get from mailers, like out of a thousand mailers, maybe five people that were interested. Maybe I get one. Yeah. The market is being flooded with mailers right now. There's mm-hmm. just, you know, you got bigger pockets teaching these seminars and they're, and I've watched them. Yeah. And so the mailers aren't quite as effective, but they're actually the least intrusive, you know, meaning a lot of people don't want phone calls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want text messages. You know, they would prefer email or a mail piece of mail in the mail because they want to do their own thing and then decide who they want to respond to. So I find mailers and, and emailing to be very effective, except recently where because of the number of mailers people are getting, mm-hmm. you know, they're just not responding like they did. Yeah, falling into all the noise. So what about social? Do you engage in social at all? You know, Facebook or Twitter or yeah, anything I, like I, that? Yeah, I've got a 12-unit. I put it on Facebook. I put it on LinkedIn. I've got 20,000 people on my one LinkedIn account. But yeah, I'll, I'll occasionally use, if I see something, I'll put it on LinkedIn or Facebook. I don't always do that. Mm-hmm. But if there's a property, I think, yeah, I need to get the word out on this. I will mm-hmm. post it on social media. Yeah, that's great. How about the the evaluating the properties themselves? What types of properties do you typically you know, find yourself selling. I know that you mentioned a couple of times now, you know, 10 units plus, is there, is a top, is there a top end to that as well? No, I've done, I've done 144 units. I've done, you know, I'm closing a 68 unit Monday, closed to 68 a couple months ago. It's just got to make sense for the buyer and the seller, mm-hmm. you know, what, what both parties want, but. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Can you talk about, you know, when, when, a new investor reaches out to you and says, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm in the market. What are some of the, I guess the warning signs or the, the flags that kind of go up in your mind that, you know, we've all been there, you know, we've all made those first initial phone calls. What are some of the mistakes that people are making when they reach out to you? Excellent question, man. That's an excellent question. When people, they might not be schooled on a certain topic, like, avoiding taxes or what's the laws concerning COVID or whatever the specifics are. When they're very articulate, I get very impressed. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't know the answer to whatever their question is, but they're very articulate on who they are, what it is they want to know. Virtus Technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? 
Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, give Virtus Technology a call today. And they're very succinct about it. Whereas sometimes people will call in and they barely get their name out. For, I mean, for whatever reason, I don't know if they're shy or, or what. And then they don't sound very intelligent when they're asking the question that they want to do it. So the people that I get really impressed with is articulate people. My name is John Smith. I want to start ABC Investment Company. And tell me about your listing on uh, 269 Fairbanks. Mm -hmm. you, it's like, yeah, you got right to it. You told me what your thing was. But sometimes they, they beat around the bush too much. And, and, and I still help them. I serve them as long as I feel that they're qualified. If they're not articulate, if they're not, you know, sound like they got a, a brain behind them. Mm -hmm. And it might just be they're on a bad day or a lot of us, we get preoccupied. Like right now, my grandkids are upstairs. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually preoccupied because I'm like thinking they may come barge in here. <laughs> so, you know, you, you do get, you know, distracted by life's events mm -hmm. where you're not as articulate as you want. But the ones that the investors that, that really impressed me is a lot of them, I've had a, a couple of them ask me, what's your best form of communication? Mm -hmm. Because like I said earlier, some people like email, some people like the phone, some people like texts. Some people use what app. So the ones that all above that impress me is what you like, how do you like to communicate best? Would you rather talk on the phone? Or would you rather email? Mm -hmm. And they actually ask me, you know, yeah. and that, that really impresses me. That's great. That's great. Can, can you talk a little bit about the Cincinnati market as a whole? What, what are some of the benefits, you know, the, the reasons why people would want to invest well, it's really market. an area. Like I actually live one exit from Cincinnati in a place called Fort Thomas. So it's, it's a region. Mm -hmm. And Cincinnati is, has seven Fortune 500 companies. They have good city leaders that plan ahead. So like we've got an area called the Banks, which is where the two stadiums are. They developed an area 10 years called Over the Rhine. And they really spend money and they will develop and they will try to attract and keep people here. So there's jobs here, but for some reason, people rent. I don't know what it is. When I reluctantly help someone try to fill up a place, I get like 30 calls each, each unit. It, it's nuts. Hmm. So I, the homeownership rate is very low for some, I don't know. I don't know why. Interesting. Lifestyle. It, and it's not, it's not really uh it's not really a transient area either. Right. No. I mean, there's not a lot of these are established people that have been here. Sometimes I go to an apartment complex and I'll ask them, say, well, you know, how long have you been here? They go, I'm, I've been here 20 years. I'm like thinking you could have bought the building, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, and a lot of them are just, they just, they will stay, hmm. you know? Yeah. And I, I know obviously like, like Procter and Gamble is down there too. So you've got mm -hmm. you know, a lot of you know big, big business as well. So no, that's, that's interesting. 
when you are looking to attract more investors or or you're you're looking to you know reach out to to new investors do you have any tips on you know how you how you bring those people in how you attract those people at all say say you're you're looking for another you know another property that is is for sale or you know you want to grow your list of of investors in that area do you have any uh, tips or advice for other people on how to again I guess reach out and grow their network well what what happens I think a lot is it's it, it's kind of like we tend to focus on the people that we're serving right now and we're helping right now and we're really concentrating on you know Charles Smith doing the 68 unit and then we kind of forget everyone else. Mm-hmm. So I try to do weekly emails to people and, and, and try when humanly possible to at least say, hey, this is what I got going on. You know, this is what I have. So constant contact of, of staying in touch with people that maybe you've not sold anything to in a year. Like there's this guy named Ken who probably has right now 500 units in Columbus and Cincinnati. And I've not sold him anything in like a year and a half, but I picked him up at the airport yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew he was coming to town. I said, would you like me to pick you up at the airport? I go, sure. So I, you know, I went out there and I, I just picked him up from the airport, took him where he needed to go. And I'll probably take him back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Speaking of COVID, have you, have you noticed any effects or impacts on the market? In yes. Cincinnati because of that? <clears throat> yes. What has happened is some tenants are refusing to show their place. And they're uh, saying, well, I'm concerned about COVID-19. And it's never been tested in an Ohio court of can a landlord go, I want you to show this property or tenant, you've got the appropriate 24-hour written notice. And they go, well, I've got, I don't want to get COVID from somebody. So that's not been tested yet. So mm-hmm you kind of got to work with them and, and, you know, try to work somewhere, find another tenant in the same building. But so that's come up of, you know, they just don't, and usually those are the people that didn't want to show up before. Yeah. But then they got a different excuse. You know, some tenants aren't paying and those, some of those are tenants that didn't pay before. Mm-hmm. And there was a moratorium on evictions, but you can do evictions now. Yeah. So it, I think Cincinnati- people are milking it. Has Cincinnati you started everything all up? Yeah, the, and... the evictions are starting. I think there's still a backlog for the yeah. sheriff to set you out. Right, right. But the actual eviction process has, has started and it's in force and it's working. It's just, is the sheriff going to be able to go out and, you know, yeah, do his get thing. the belongings out on the curb, that sort of thing? Because some push it to the end where, you know, now you're evicted, now what, you know? Yeah. And then some tenants, like I said, aren't paying. And I understand it. If someone was working at Cracker Barrel and they don't have a job now, I, I, I do have some sympathy for those people. Mm-hmm. But the retail centers are hiring. Kroger's, yeah. our grocery stores hiring. Pizza places are hiring. Amazon out here is hiring. So, mm-hmm. you know, can someone that really wants a job find one? Probably. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, so maybe they need some temporary relief. So, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out here. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. How large of an area do you serve 
I do anything that makes sense. I've sold property complexes in Toledo, Ohio. I've sold them in Columbus, Paducah, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky. It just kind of makes sense for both me, the buyer and the seller. Is it worth traveling there? Or a lot of times what I do initially is cheat. I will find someone that I know in that area and say, can you scope out this property? Can you drive mm-hmm. by it? And I kind of cheat a little bit in the initial steps to kind of just get a feel for the area. Mm-hmm. And then if it's positive and everyone wants to move forward, then, then I'll just drive. Yeah, yeah. To wherever so I need to do. Is, is that about a three-hour-ish or so radius, give or well, take? Well, it, it, what's funny is if there's no traffic or construction issues, I can get to Dayton, Ohio in 45 minutes. Okay. I can get to Louisville in about an hour and 15 minutes. Oh, that's close. And I can I get to Columbus in probably an hour and a half. Yeah. Toledo's about three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Again, barring, you know, a snowstorm, ice storm, construction. Yeah you know, buying something unusual, but that's what I was saying. It's kind of a region. Cincinnati is kind of a region where I've also been up to Cleveland, you know, mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And and if you were to give someone, uh, you know, just a really quick idea of the city, you know, Northeast, Southwest, what, what areas would you say are, you know, the most desirable areas in the city for a multifamily uh, apartment building? Are, are there desirable areas in the city or is it pretty well you know, any, anywhere where you look that, you know, you can. Oh, in Cincinnati, in greater Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. You know, over the Rhine, they developed this area called over the Rhine, uh, which is near downtown. They put tens of millions of dollars in this place. It's slowly kind of leveled off. So that was a real hot area for a long time. A lot of people think a place called Madisonville mm-hmm. is up and coming or Evanston. See, Cincinnati is unique in that it has 52 distinct neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of got a lot of of it's a it's a big county but but a lot of people think madisonville will be the next one interesting excellent jj if if someone wanted to reach out to you learn more about you learn more about your services get on your email list how how would you suggest that they do that they can um call me or text me uh, at 513-325-4403 my email is rather long. It's 26 characters, so I don't want to give it out because <laughs> they're going to probably get it wrong. So, yeah. But my phone, they can call or text. Fantastic. Excellent. JJ, this, is, this has been great. I uh, you know, certainly appreciate the insight into, into your world and into Cincinnati market. And like I said, I'm, I'm four-ish, three and a half, four hours away, and we've looked at Cincinnati before. So you know, we will certainly continue to do so. So okay. great. Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you. Thanks for listening, and remember, pass the secret sauce.